0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the July edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. Taking a look at the front page of the Crestone Eagle and starting with this article written by Amelia Stern, Crestone and BGWS continue negotiations. The town of Crestone and the Baca Grand Water and Sanitation District are working to nail down points of contention as they continue to negotiate a new agreement. In the early 2000s, the state of Colorado helped the town of Crestone gather funding to build infrastructure to carry wastewater to the Baca Grand Water and Sanitation District. The 20-year agreement expired, So we've been in negotiations for the last one to two years on how to renew that agreement, says Town Trustee Adam Kinney. We're narrowing down our points of discussion and earnestly moving forward with creating a consensus around those discussion points, he said. According to Kinney, one of the discussion points includes how long the town would enter into an agreement for whether that's 5, 10, or 20 years. The town is also discussing how to manage and disperse its TAP fees and how that contributes to the BACA's own water and sanitation infrastructure. With the help of engineers, we're looking at how to accurately determine the exact amount of effluent liquid waste or sewer the town puts into the water and sanitation system, says Kinney. We've also been looking at town needing to regulate what goes into the system before it gets to the water and sanitation side of things. While the logistics are important, Kinney believes the larger issue is how this negotiation will mend the relationship between the Baca and the town. How this agreement is reached will ultimately either facilitate or not facilitate future growth of the community, he said. Strained relationships between the two communities stem from some BACA residents who don't believe that the town pays its part. There are new nuances that make it feel unfair for somebody in the BACA who has to pay a mill levy and a higher tap fee than someone who lives in town, says Kinney. If BACA Water and Sanitation is investing into a $13 million infrastructure improvement, we're looking at how the town can support and pay into that, he said. As the negotiations drag out, Kinney hopes to, be, to come to an, an agreement as soon as possible while facilitating more trusting relationships between the two sometimes divided communities. If we don't have an agreement upon a way to handle our waste, then we're capped at growth. So solutions are extremely important, he said. Now turning to BOCC news from the Swatch County Commission. Look soon for speed monitors on county roadways. We have received numerous complaints of speeding, and this is an effort to slow folks down without a heavy police presence. On June 26, following the SOV Commissioners Association meeting, the VOCC planned to meet and discuss whether to ask Colorado Counties, Inc. and Colorado Counties and Commissioners acting together, CCI and CCAT, to help the commissioners advance legislation at the state level to allow individual counties to permit, permit alternative wastewater systems, such as composting or incinerating toilets. On June 27th, an educational presentation on the recently adopted nuisance ordinance was scheduled by the land use department at the Baca POA hall. County compliance officers were on hand to answer questions. Both events took place too late for results to make it into this issue of the Eagle. Other meetings are also being held around the county. See the website for more information. The county has leased Leech Airport to the town of Center for a drag race on July 1st beginning at 8 a.m. This event benefited the Center Police Department. The BOCC welcomes community input and participation. And we have clips from the Clerk from Swatch County News. This is written by Trish Gilbert, Swatch County Clerk and Recorder. Transfer a title from a, dis- from a deceased owner. Please note, all title transfers must be completed at your county motor vehicle office. If the vehicle is in the deceased name only, you will need to bring the following to your county motor vehicle office, a death certificate, letters of testamentary, letters of administration, or small estates proceedings showing the new beneficiary for the vehicle, the beneficiary could then sign the title as the new owner. If the title lists two vehicle owners and it is in joint tenancy with rights of survivorship, the surviving owner needs to bring a copy of the death certificate. However, if the two owners are in tenants in common, then letters of testamentary, letters of administration or small estates proceedings, or the will showing who the beneficiary is of that half of the vehicle, along with the death certificate. The beneficiary and the other original owner could then sign. If there are two owners and one is deceased and the surviving owner is incapacitated, for instance, in a coma, and has a power of attorney, a court order, such as letters of testamentary, Letters of administration or small estates proceedings would be needed for the deceased owner and the power of attorney would be needed for the surviving owner to show who can sign the title. Please note, a DR2009 State of Colorado Transfer of Title Upon Death designated beneficiary form can be used in lieu of letters of testamentary, administration, or small estates and was previously completed by the deceased owner. And we have this article written by Jennifer Eicheson, Fire erupts at POA building. Librarians and quick-thinking rescuers prevent disaster. In a display of bravery and swift action, two librarians accompanied by a friend of the library and a member of the Baca Grand Emergency Services team successfully extinguished a fire that broke out at the POA-owned building behind the local library. The efforts of these individuals averted a potential disaster in the late afternoon on Wednesday, June 21st. A friend of the Baca Library, Leah Garcia, recounted the incident, stating they had stepped outside the library to leave for a meeting in Moffitt and heard a crackling sound. Realizing the severity of the situation, they rushed back into the library to alert insiders and call for emergency help. Without wasting a moment, Garcia and the others sprang into action. Risking their own safety, Garcia began dousing the flames with sand to halt the fire's spread. Library Director Sarah cohen Frey joined the effort, providing Garcia with an extinguisher to further combat the blaze. Coris Hines and Garcia, both armed with fire extinguishers, fought to suppress the flames. Library employee Eden Elderberry and Garcia repeatedly ran between the library and the burning building, sharing 10-gallon buckets of water to extinguish the flames. Emergency services quickly arrived at the scene. The coordinated response by the fire and EMS teams ensured the situation was promptly assessed and addressed. It was determined the fire was caused by an electrical issue, and had it reached the roof, the damage could have been catastrophic. Thanks to the quick actions of the librarians and others, the extent of the damage was limited. Chorus Hines' presence at the scene proved to be a stroke of luck. The building serves as crew headquarters for EMS and fire personnel to work out, do laundry, shower, and relax. Hines happened to be doing his laundry that day. As a seasoned member of the BACA Grand Emergency Services Team, Heinz's ability to think quickly and respond immediately was put to the test. Reflecting on the intensity of the situation, he highlighted the stark contrast between the thoughtful preparation that accompanies a drive to a fire and the instantaneous decision-making required when confronted with a raging blaze. Grateful for the support and coordination of the courageous group, Heinz wholeheartedly recognized the exceptional teamwork that played a pivotal role in extinguishing the flames. He emphasized the vital importance of their collective efforts in the face of adversity. I happened to be in the right place at the right time, Heinz stated, underlining the critical need for a collaborative endeavor to confront such a challenging predicament. The emergency services team comprised of Jim, Jimbo Vanderpool, Kevin Popeye McConaughey, Steve Hirsch, Armando Mendez, Josh Cody Farrell, Denise Johnson, and Harold Fowler ensured the safety of the area. Their timely arrival and expertise were instrumental in containing the fire and preventing further damage. As investigations into the electrical cause of the fire continue, local authorities encourage everyone to remain vigilant and proactive in maintaining the safety of their surroundings. Hines advises anyone who is involved in a fire to remember to turn the power off to the building to cut off the fuel. And we have more news from Swatch County. Swatch County accepting bids for county-owned property. The Swatch County Board of Commissioners is accepting written offers for county owned property. The lots available will be accepted by the commissioners at their discretion until July 25th, 2024. A bid packet and a list of properties is available on the Swatch County website at swatchcounty.colorado.gov. Call the Land Use Office at 719-655-2321 or email a request to landuse at sawatchcounty cogovernor Bids must be submitted on a county bid form. Funds must accompany bids. No cash will be accepted. You must enclose the completed bid form in a sealed envelope marked county-owned property bid and indicate on the envelope the block, lot, or lots, and parcel number. The bid is intended for. The Board reserves the right to refuse any bid submitted. And even more Swatch news, BOCC extends valuation protest deadline. The Swatch BOCC has voted to extend the deadline for the Assessor to respond to valuation protests to August 15th instead of June 30th. More information will soon be on the Assessor website you can check swatchcounty.colorado.gov Now turning to library news this is written by Sarah Cohen Frey Northern Swatch County Library District Be sure you follow the Northern Swatch County Library District on Facebook for up to the minute new releases notifications and events you won't want to miss Recurring programs Summer Story Time ages pre-K to 3rd grade every Tuesday at the Swatch Public Library at 10 a.m. Lego Club every Tuesday at the Swatch Public Library at 11 a.m. Summer Storytime, ages pre-K to third grade, every Wednesday at the Baca Grand Library at 10 a.m. D&D every Wednesday at the Baca Grand Library at 11 a.m. Cosplay every Wednesday at Baca Grand Library at noon. Free Food Friday, all day, every Friday, at both libraries. Thanks to a partnership with the Swatch County Food Access Coalition, there will be fresh produce, meat, etc. at the Baca Grand Library from 10 to 11.30 a.m. and at the Swatch Public Library from 1.30 to 3.00 p.m. on Fridays. Special Events Sourdough Starting Party at the Swatch Public Library on Wednesday, July 19th. Time to be announced. Watch our Facebook page. Community Flea Market, Saturday, July 29th at the Ottomiers Park in Swatch from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Tables are $10. Call the Swatch Public Library at 719-655-2551 to reserve yours. This event is in conjunction with the Swatch Hollyhock Festival and Arts Walk. Library hours and closures. Baca Grand Library hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Swatch Public Library hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Masks are welcome, but not required. And speaking of Free Food Friday, we have this article, Fresh Food Launches at Library. This is written by Leah Garcia. Friday, June 16th was the launch date for the first fresh food delivery. Did you happen to drive past the Baca Grand Library during Free Food Friday at 10 in the morning and see a big black truck? That was us. Grant-funded and heart-fueled, the Food Access Coalition is here to bring quality food and good vibes to the Valley's food hubs. We have been awarded $69,000 in emergency funding from the state of Colorado. The Food Pantry Assistance Grant will help us purchase and distribute more Colorado-grown produce and nutrient-dense foods to community members. We want to thank the Governor's Office, Colorado Department of Human Services, and Colorado Blueprint to End End Hunger for distributing funds to help the Food Access Coalition serve the highest goods to all. Support has also been received from local community businesses. We would like to thank the Elephant Cloud for ordering organic fruits and vegetables from UNFI, allowing us, to, uh, allowing us a discount. We would also like to thank Valley Roots Food Hub for having an amazing system that allows them to pack to order and deliver. These are the two sources that provide the food we distribute so far. The food bank is also near and dear to my heart. The food bank's new location will be across from the Baca Grand Library. The intention is to have the food bank up and running as soon as the renovations are complete. Volunteer teams have already formed, and the cleanup is in process. Community support will be needed to help make the building ADA accessible and to complete some building modifications to support the food bank equipment. Contact us at seven one nine. 256-0240 or email slvfoodaccess at gmail.com to speak to pur- the purchasing coordinator for more information pertaining the drop-off locations and times. You can also check out our page online for schedules and updates. Please like and follow Sawatch County Food Access Coalition on Facebook. We are evolving and growing, so please feel free to reach out. Donations can be sent to Crestone Food Bank, P.O. Box 524, Crestone, Colorado, 81131. We are looking forward to growing and thriving together. Thank you to all the wonderful people of the San Luis Valley. And in happenings, we have this from Matt Litt. Psych Rock Rocks 420 in July Fest. Sykes Peak, a Colorado psych rock-focused camping music festival, is producing a two-day festival in July. In its third year, the 2023 event is hosted at Area 420 in Moffat, Colorado, July 14th to 15th. More than 20 bands include Love Gang, Supreme Joy, Brady and the Bunch, Los Toms, Sour Magic, Some Beaches and late night DJ sets are planned. Psych rock or psychedelic rock is a music form that began developing in the mid 1960s and continues today, combining the perception altering sounds. Possibly the ultimate expression of psych rock occurred during the summer of love in 1967 and two years later with Woodstock. Visit the website psychs peakcom that's P-S-Y-C-H-S, dash peak p-e-a-k dot com to learn more and purchase tickets their email is sykes.peak.fest at com. returning to front page news this written by jerd smith freshwater news developer dollars behind douglas county races slv water Real estate developers interested in exporting water they own from the San Luis Valley to fast growing water Douglas County have contributed thousands of dollars to candidates for the Parker Water and Sanitation District Board, one of the largest water providers in the county. Last month, Robert Kenna, won a seat on the Parker Water Board and had received two donations from Partners in Renewable Water Resources, a real estate development group whose principals include former Colorado Governor Bill Owens. The contributions were made by RWR principals John Kim and Hugh Bernardi, according to filings at the Colorado Secretary of State's office. A second RWR-backed candidate, Corey Nelson also received $10,000 in donations from RWR, but did not win a seat on the Parker Water Board. Nelson is contesting the results of the election. If Nelson had won, RWR would have ties to three members of the five-member board, according to Parker Water Water and Sanitation District Manager Ron Redd. Parker Board member Brooke Booth is related by marriage to RWR principal Sean Connor. Red said. Neither Booth, Kenna, nor RWR responded to a request for comment. Nelson could not be reached for comment. Such large contributions are unusual in low-profile water district board elections where candidates often provide their own funding for their campaigns of a few hundred dollars rather than thousands, according to Red. That's a lot of money for a water board race, Red said. The donations came after Douglas County commissioners last year declined to invest in RWR's controversial $400 million San Luis Valley Pipeline proposal using COVID-19 relief funding. Douglas County commissioners Laura Thomas and Abe Layden voted against the funding while commissioner George Teal supported the proposal. Among other objections, the county said that RWR's claim that there was enough water in the San Luis Valley's aquifers to support the export plan was incorrect based on hydrologic models presented over the course of several public work sessions. The county's attorneys also said the proposal did not comply with the Colorado Water Plan, which favors projects that don't dry up productive farmland, which have and which have local support. Opposition to the proposal in the San Luis Valley is widespread. The Rio Grande Water Conservation District in Alamosa argues that no water should be taken from the San Luis Valley because it is already facing major water shortages due to the ongoing drought and overpumping of its aquifers by growers. The valley faces a looming well shutdown if it can't reduce its water use enough to bring its fragile water system back into balance. That lack of compliance means that Douglas County would likely not win any potential state funding for the expor- export proposal. Last year, after the county rejected the San Luis Valley proposal, RWR said it would continue to work with Douglas County to see if its objections could be overcome. It has also maintained that the agricultural water it owns in the San Luis Valley would be pulled from a portion of the valley's aquifer system that is renewable, minimizing any damage that might occur from the project, and that even though farmlands would be dried up when the water is exported, The Valley's water situation would benefit from a reduction in agricultural water use. RWR's water rights, however, have not yet been converted to municipal use, as is required under Colorado law. That process could take years to complete and would likely be fiercely contested by farm interests in the San Luis Valley, as well as other opponents. Still, RWR continues to deepen its ties to Douglas Water Districts RWR Principal John Kim, one of the contributors to the Parker Water Board elections, won a seat last year on the Roxborough Water and Sanitation District Board, according to the district's website. Kim lives in that district. He declined a request for comment. Douglas County government does not deliver water to its residents, but relies on more than a dozen individual communities and water districts to provide that service. Fast growing towns and water districts early on simply drilled wells into aquifers, but the aquifers have been declining and water districts have been forced to implement aggressive water conservation programs, water reuse programs, and use of local surface supplies to meet their needs. Lawn sizes in Castle Rock are sharply limited to save water, with some homeowners opting to use artificial turf for convenience and to help keep water bills low. Two of the largest water providers in Douglas County, Parker Water and Sanitation District and Castle Rock Water have said they would not support the RWR proposal because they had already spent millions of dollars developing new, more sustainable, politically acceptable projects. Those projects include a South Platte River pipeline that is being developed in partnership with farmers in the northeastern corner of the state. Floyd Cerulli, a pollster and veteran observer of Colorado politics who has done extensive work in the past for Douglas County water providers, said the RWR initiative faces an uphill battle. They have resistance at both ends, Cerulli said, referring to an opposition in the San Luis Valley and the metro area. It's interesting that RWR is contributing to these boards. It's a real long shot. Parker Water and Sanitation District says it plans to continue its development of the South Platte Pipeline project in northeastern Colorado and to craft deals with farmers so that agricultural water won't be removed from farmlands, helping preserve the rural economy there. Most of Parker's water rights have already been approved for municipal use, according to Red. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program.